Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. Hey, Doug. What's the good word, fam? I'm chilling over here, man. Man, crazy NCAA tournament audience. We're going to get back to that point in a second. But, hey, Doug, it's good to be back on this show, audience. We told y'all once before we were sorry for being a little inconsistent with this show, but please forgive us. Me and A-Dub have been traveling around to multiple events, the Super Sectional, the Big Ten Tournament, the NCAA Tournament. But all this, I promise y'all, we're back for good this time. We're back for good this time, A-Dub. Yeah, man, it feels good to be back, friends, no doubt. But I tell you, man, it's been a really awesome time covering all these events live Audience, we got so many stories to tell you guys on this episode, but let's get right into it. So, you guys have been hitting us up saying, hey, we've been missing our power recaps. A-Dub, let's talk to him. So, oh, man, let's talk, bro. It, it's been going down on that, man, on Power Book Force. Tommy Egan got into it with the uh, serves, man. Shit, I was like, man, I ain't, I ain't think Tommy's going to get out of that one. <laughs> I didn't either, man. I mean, he had some little backup, you know, with um, with um, the son, um, Vic Flan, you know, helped him out. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, but I, I would just say, man, Tommy, boy, you better be careful, man. Everybody is starting to not like you. But when it comes to episode four, because all this, we gave you guys our thoughts on episodes one, two, or three. Episode four. Now, this is not going to be a spoiler alert because we're behind a little bit on this. But let's just say this. That Claudia... She's a motherfucker, boy. She wanted that designer drug, and she did whatever it took to get that motherfucker. She wants that shit on the streets, and she wants that thing on the streets ASAP. Man, let me tell you something. She seems like she's the smartest plan out there right now, Perez. She's kind of like trying to go low-key with it and getting the right piece together behind the scenes. Yeah, but then also, too, how smart was she to find out the person that created the formula behind the drug and blackmailed her ass? So that's what I'm saying. To your point, yeah, she's the smartest Flynn, but she's also got a she's also has a streak about her that kind of is a little sloppy. We're gonna get into that. When we do our recap of episode five. But I would say this: she got to that damn chemist, and that's what set the stage for everything on that part. Hey, Doug. 
Yeah, it did, man. Getting to the chemist. I think that was probably the most important thing she could have did, though, right, to get there. But like you said, man, she's moving a little dangerously. Yeah, she she's sloppy. She's sloppy. That's the, that's that's the part there. But you talked about the the fact with the Serbs, Tommy. Man, that was a hell of a little little battle there because, like you said, even Vic Flynn, who did that shit behind his father's back. And that's the one thing I was with Vic Flynn doing, man. He's actually causing some issues between him and his pops because his pops is starting to figure out what all he's got, what he got going on, man, outside their own business. And now our girl Liliana. Disobeyed Tommy, left the body of the crib, and then what happened? Kidnapped. Got her ass, right? <laughs> right, man. She was, man, tripping. I mean, she was tripping big time, man, and it caught up to her. And so, now this is the thing here. How cold was that scene with Tommy and Tatiana? Man, that scene was amazing. Well, I say this, man. Not even just that it was amazing, but when you look at what happened there. So, she tried to shoot Tommy. Tommy was too quick, stabbed her ass right there in the throat, got up out of there. I was like, okay, Tommy, I see you, I see you. Hey, let me tell you something. Tommy played no games, man, when he killed people, though, man. Hey, look, Tommy would do a close-up, whatever, man, close and personal. Ain't got no problem with that. Nope, 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 nope. But I will say this, the, the whole Vic and Tommy alliance, that's just kind of confusing and weird to me because, like I said, Tommy – was piping this girl there for a second. I'm sitting up here like Vic, man, you, 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 you got a. I tell you one thing, Vic puts business over his personal feelings. I'm telling you, he gets a war for that. Yeah, he get a war for that for real, man. Because I mean, you see how some you acted towards him. Tommy's like, oh, you know about this, and you cool with that? Yeah, Tommy, <laughs> you a weirdo, <laughs> right? Crack me up, man. I said you gotta be kidding me. Tommy got some brother in him, boy. He be saying some fucked up shit to people sometimes. That should be having me dying. He just come out with it, bro, without hesitation. Yep. But listen, I think in that situation in episode four, Tommy knew once he took Tatiana out, the Serbs are going to be on his ass in full force and in full effect. And in episode five, A-Dub, that's what we got. Oh, yeah, definitely what we got, man. And it came down to the point that, hey, it's time to take out the Serbs, man. But then that's when he had Diamond with him, had yep. Vic with him. He had the whole crew. Man, they went in that boy, man, trying to air it out, didn't they? They didn't try, and they did. <laughs> For real, a couple of their cats got hit, though, you know, but they was on it. No, that was that was a hell of a gun battle there. I mean, they went in there. Tommy was picking people off. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll see what y'all on. I'll see what y'all on. Yeah, man, they kind of went that boy, man, just ready to just go to war, man. That was just talking about a, 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 a old-fashioned type street fight game, you know, this game, this gang, and that gang. Let's go at it. Mm-hmm. Now, I talked about from the pre previous episode that designer drug Dahlia, that it's going to be the – I'm telling you, I think it's going to flood Chicago. We're going to get into that on, on a future episode. But when Tommy met up with Claudia and she introduced that drug to him and she put a little small dab on her lips and she kissed that motherfucker and pushed his ass back onto his car, I said, <laughs> first of all, why Claudia be pulling up on Tommy like that? She just be pulling up on him in the middle of the street. Man, it's like she just knows every move or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah, got a stalker, on Tommy? She a stalker. Yeah, man, for real. Hey, where you at, homie? Let me tell you about this drug here. Knocked his ass out with it. <laughs> but you saw that look on his face. She knew what she was doing. 
Because she, oh, she, yeah. she was like, yeah, welcome to my world. What's it welcome to my buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Claudia, no joke, man. She know how to get what she want, bro. But then when Tommy took that back to Liliana, what'd he say? He said, it's the best high I've ever had. So you knew at that point, Perez, that Liliana's going to try to try this. Mm-hmm. Because now mm-hmm. Tommy already gave her the heads up on it. Like, hey, you know what's coming next. Yep, yep, yep. But so remember when we talked on the last episode, we talked about what's up with that black cop, that Detective Bennigan, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we pulled up in the barbershop, and I'm like looking at like the situation, like, what's what you on? But then he rolled up on Diamond again in this episode five. Took him into a squad car, but he confirmed him. And what did Diamond say? He said, man, what's your beef with me, man? And that's what Bennigan told him about, hey, he said, hey, y'all sold a bad batch of drugs back in the day. And you remember that. That kind of set the stage for why he's got that hatred towards him. Right, 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 right. Yeah, man, that's that's true. And I think um, from that perspective, what happened? Diamond still like, look, I got some dirt on you too. No one's going on what you got going on. And he didn't let Diamond go free. Yeah, but you know what? But when it, when it came to those bad drugs, though, I think the part that like really made me kind of like look at the situation and say, I agree with you on this one, Diamond, is when he said, look, I spent 15 years in prison. Now, the fact that you brought up the fact about him being a dirty cop, I thought that was a good-ass point, too, because, yeah, look, I served my time. Right. <laughs> what about you? What you out here doing? <laughs> exactly, bro. Got to call him out, man. Call his buff right there. You out here being a dirty, like you said, being a dirty cop. You can't talk about me, man. I did. Like you say, Perez, he, he done his time already. Now, in this episode, this is what we were kind of looking at Jannard because Jannard's kind of feeling himself, and he wants that crown from Diamond. Right. Yeah, Janard do want that crown, man. Janard is playing all kind of sides of the field, man. He's playing his brother, and he's also trying to take over, Perez. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting as we get into episodes six and seven. We're going to probably see a lot of different things brewing here with this relationship. And now the one thing that I would say, you're seeing Tommy and Liliana working together pretty well. And this is crazy because they tried to kill each other earlier in the season. <laughs> that's true. That is true, man. So now now you got them working together. She's trying to figure out the drug here in episode five, right? Then also, you had Tommy pulling up on Claudia at her penthouse trying to broker a deal. What do you say? 60-40, and they going back and forth negotiating. Tommy's about to walk out on her ass, and then she's like, no, 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 I need you. I need you. She's like, 60% your way. So Tommy, you know, Tommy, you knew Tommy was interested in that drug. He wanted to be in on that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. After how things probably went down between him and Vic and you know, Diamond, you know, that might be a future episode, but they didn't kind of, they all kind of went their separate ways. So it's like, hey, look, him and Claudia, they may have to work together, man. Now, also, how about Walter Flynn pulling up on, uh, on uh, what's her name, Gloria, right? He came up to our bar. Yeah. And I like, look. I don't want you to have nothing to do with my son. And now you're going to see the stage. You're going to see that set the stage for future episodes because now this is Vic not being allowed to be his own man. His his father trying to interfere and tell him who he can and who he cannot date. And you're going to see that. It's going to set the stage for Gloria trying to guess and figure out what she wants to do. Right, right, right. So I think Tommy kind of fell back on that. Now Vic's trying to get his girl back and be with her. And he's trying to space himself from his father. So you're right. That's going to be an interesting dynamic right there. Gloria, Vic, what they going to do, Chris? Yeah, and what Tommy did fall back on, and I thought that was respect, 
But Gloria had that look on her face like she wasn't done with Tommy. So I was kind of like looking at her like, oh, what you want, shorty? <laughs> and you know how she kind of go in when, when it comes down to Vic. She's like, I don't trust what you're saying, Vic, too much. You know what I'm saying? You know how right. you are with your father. Your father doesn't allow this thing to happen. So why not do my own thing with Tommy? Well, so I think this is the problem. She's probably heard it all before from Vic. You know, and she understands mm -hmm. that in his culture, they're not going to allow them to ever be together. And anything that is going to happen between them, they're going to have to sneak around and shit. Right, right. She probably don't want to continue doing that with them, man. She's like, look, I need to do my own thing. It ain't going to work out. No, so that that's one of those things there. So there's a lot to unpack with the rest of this series, audience. We'll be back next episode, next week to um, unpack episode six and seven. But I'm telling you right now, A-Dub, this series is starting to heat up. Episode five was a lot of action. In fact, it was a lot of action in it. Yeah, I love the action, man. I was like, look, people getting wiped out, man. People trying to make some separation with what they want to do. Everybody's starting to be exposed now, Chris, to what they really want to get out of this. I mean, you got to look at this, man. The Serbs, they was over there torturing the shit out of Liliana. She never gave up Tommy. And I think that's probably one of the things you're going to see with this going to, in the future episodes, you'll probably see that relationship with these two start to get even more and more intense. Absolutely, man. Because now it's like Tommy going to continue to look out for her now. Yeah, because you saw in this episode when he got that call from Liliana, he made sure he went there to see what was good. And he was going to do that, uh, what's that, a, a body for a body type of thing. And then your boy Jannar come letting off fucking shots, trying to right. kill Tommy. <laughs> right, 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 right. That was crazy. Because I think what we do know is that, hey, Jannar is feeling Liliana. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That man was so, all touching all touching her scar and shit. You, how she, <laughs> you see how she played him? She's like, all right, thanks for the money. Right, right. She's like, I thought about the bread for her, man. She ain't yep. trying to catch no feelings with nobody right now. No. I mean, I feel like a little bit of her was kind of like, that was cute. But then she's like, thanks for the money. I'm out. Right. She bows quickly on him, though, man. But you see why his lies is that he, he like her. And that's also part of the reason why he don't like Tommy so well, either. That kind of make the kind of starting to add up now. You don't like Tommy for various reasons. That's part of it, too. And also, too, the fact that he sees him being an interference between him and his brother. So there's yep. a lot of things that he's like looking at Tommy and looking at him sideways on. Yeah, he's trying to shape up my world, man. Mess up my little world here. And you know what the craziest part about episode five was that Liliana got shot. The bullet went straight through. So I'm sitting here like, boy, Liliana had a tough episode. They tried to break her damn fingers and her hands. <laughs> she was getting slapped around. She got shot. I'm like, good Lord. What else is she going to go through? Man, she is a tough cookie, man, for Ain't real. She? Man, she is tough as they come. Yes, sir. So audience, like we said, episode six and seven, we're going to recap on the next episode. But let's get into the nuts and bolts of our sports coverage. So audience, as I mentioned to you guys earlier, A-Dub and I have been covering a ton of events. We were at the UIC Super Sectional where we saw Whitney Young advance to the state. We also saw Simeon advance to the state. Uh, Whitney Young and Simeon were not able to get the job done, A-Dub. But listen, salute to them. They had great seasons. And Simeon and Whitney Young, you know those programs, brother. They will be back next year. Oh, yeah. They will definitely be back next year, man. They got some nice time over there. The coaching staff do a good job, Perez. Salute to both teams, man, Whitney Young and Simeon. And then secondly, we covered the Big Ten tournament down in Indianapolis. Huge opportunity for us. This is the first major tournament that we had covered. Well, until I got back from the NCAA tournament today. But prior to that, the this is our first major tournament, and I wanted to just ask you, 
what were your thoughts, man, about that Big Ten tournament? Obviously, Illinois didn't get the job done. They were one and out. I felt good about the tournament itself. I mean, the players' prayers from all the teams, the stars of the teams, they really shine, man. I mean, the Trace, you know, way different Indiana. You know, Jaden Ivey, you know, we saw what he did, man. It's like all the stars just pretty much showed up. And then the people in the environment, man, the, the people were cheering for the teams. They were great. I mean, it was just an awesome tournament overall. Yeah, and also, too, Keegan Murray, who is another guy that I think is going to be a top five lottery, uh, top five pick in the NBA draft. This man was that deal. Iowa Ooh. won the they won the Big Ten tournament. Keegan Murray, as we've talked about on this show before, is a silent killer, bro. Man, bro, silent killer. His game speaks for itself, Brad. You're right. His game is more loud than his words. I mean, that kid can absolutely play, man. Flat out shoot. He can play good defense as well. I enjoy what I saw from him. Yes, sir. And I think for me, when I look at the Big Ten tournament, I just love the fact that Indianapolis was like such a great host city for this tournament. The fans turned out. It was a very electric environment. I was honored and, and, and really humbled for the experience of our platform, Chicago State of Mind, being next to your Sports Illustrated, your athletic, your, your, you know, all these major publications out there, the New York Times, CBS Sports. Like, we were right next to these guys in the pressers asking questions, and it's humbling because that shows, hey, there's respect for what we're doing here with this platform, and it's only the beginning, only the beginning. Yeah, man, that was definitely a joy right there, Fred. So you're right, man. It was just a joy to be around those guys and see how they work. They also see how we work as well. Yep, but so as I mentioned, A-Dub, Illinois was one and done because they got beat by the Indiana Hoosiers. And in that ball game. that's when you saw Trace Jackson Davis. Man, I mean, he and Kofi, they, they were going head up against each other. And I really respected Trace and the presser because when I asked them, hey, how did it feel about beating Illinois? You know, if it, how did it feel for you to beat Illinois? And he said, listen, I've never beat Illinois. So he said, I'm not going to sit here and give you a canned answer. I'm going to tell you, this has been a lot to us. He said, because, hey, Illinois has been the bully. But he said, I took care of that problem today. And I was like, damn. <laughs> hey, look, he did take care of the problem, man. You watch the game and see the game. I mean, the guy was just balling out for his. I mean, he was going right at Kofi. I mean, he didn't take no night, no days off with that, man. No plays off. I mean, the kid really came and brought his A game. But in, in a fair point, A-Dub, but I got to ask you, I mean, we, we had a chance to win this game down the stretch. Costly turnover, Andre Cabello blew a layup that most times he's going to hit. Like, that was just a tough end to that game. Kid, that hurt me, man. Just watching that end in prayers, all I can do is put my hand in my head, put my um, head in my hands. I was like, wow, those key moments right there, prayers in crunch time. That's the difference between winning the game and losing the game right there. So that was the difference maker. Oh, that's a fair point because then when you fast forward to the NCAA tournament, now I would say a lot of people that I talked to, A-Dub, they were like, listen, I'm okay with Illinois not advancing in the Big Ten tournament. They're like, look, all we care about is the March Madness. We only care about the NCAA tournament. So, okay. Some people looked at things and said they were indifferent. For me, on the other hand, I wanted to make sure that this team was peaking at the right moment. So when I saw them in that Indiana game, I saw, ooh, they look a little disjointed out here, but I want to see how they look in the first round. So on Friday, when they played against Chattanooga, A-Dub, I saw more of the same of what I saw in that Big Ten tournament. Now, we were lucky to escape with that win against Chattanooga, but let's be honest here, audience. Chattanooga was leading that entire game 
and Illinois took the lead towards the end when and when it when it mattered the most. When I first saw the game first began, Chris, I was concerned. I was like, looks like we really don't want to play, man. We discombobulated. The Turner was killing us, Perez. It's like we really don't want to play this game. I don't see the sense of urgency at all. But we like you said, we we're able to pull it out though late, man. But it just lets me know that hey, we cannot keep starting games off like that, right? Because it's gonna get worse. And I was like, if they start to turn it up and sustain that, we'll be good. But at the end of the day, Perez, we escaped it. I was still concerned going to the next round. Well, so this is the thing. A lot of people don't pay attention to teams. Now, Chattanooga, even though they were a 13 seed, they won 27 games on the season before they played the Illini. Right. Now, they're battle-tested. They played very well. I mean, defensively, they had a game plan, and they loaded up on Kofi, and they stayed true to that game plan. They did. That's that's part of the plan. That's pretty much everyone's plan, right? To load up on Kofi, though. But definitely, I got to give some unsung heroes some some kudos here, like a, 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 Coleman, um, a Coleman Hawkins, uh, how he played late in the game, you know, with his block, you know, uh, his defense. But it took all that because Kofi wasn't getting the help from the other team offensively that he needed. Well, yeah, Coleman is one guy, but another guy that I want to give credit to that gets a lot of fucking backlash from the fan base is Andre Cabello. Now, any of our analytics people that listen to this show, when you look at the plus and minus from that game, when Andre Cabello was on the court, good things happened for Illinois. I thought Andre Cabello was the key. He got Kofi the ball in positions where Kofi can make plays. When Kofi had good looks at the basket, it was because of those entry passes from Andre Cabello. So to the point the A-Dub made, yeah, Coleman Hawkins showed up very well defensively, made that key block, sealed the game for us. Andre Cabello is the reason why I think we won that ball game because he kept that pressure on the Chattanooga defense all game. Cabello did what he's supposed to do in that game for sure, Perez. And that's the one thing I like about him, though. You hit a good point. You talk about his entry passes to Kofi. You know, it's with Grenison being out. You know, um, yep. it's been a struggle right there, really. You know, and Cabello seems to be the one that can, that can consistently get the ball to Kofi. Yeah, because like you said, with the fact that uh, Jake Grandison missed the, the Big Ten tournament, that was an area where we saw them suffer. Now, Cabello was still getting Kofi the ball at key spots, but I would tell you this one thing, and Brad said it today in the press conference after we lost to Houston, to the, after we lost to the Houston Cougars today, he talked about the fact of how Jacob Grandison is so important to this offense, A-Dub. What did he call it? He called him a maestro. And right. it's to the point that you were getting ready to make a second ago, the point that you did make a second ago, pertaining to the way Jacob Grandison is able to pass the ball. And that dimension, the fact, too, he hit shots. So defenses can't sag off of him like they do with DeMonte Williams. Right. That is true. And the thing is, his defense is pretty solid as well, right, Press, He's still one of those guys who do the dirty work for us. He gets offensive rebounds. He still played tough defense as well. So, And on top of that, too, I, I, I forgot to give him some credit to Alfonso Plummer, but in the second half of that game against Chattanooga, Alfonso Plummer, man, those big threes, that down the stretch is what got Illinois back into the ballgame. But going into the game that we had today against Houston, A-Dub, let me get your thoughts here, man, because this is just another game to me that I just thought that we just didn't break it. We didn't have it. No, nah, we didn't have it, man. Too many turnovers, Prez. <laughs> I know I can't say enough about that part of it, but you can't win a game like that. And then we missed a lot of shots too, Prez. It started dunk by Melendez. I thought that was a big key factor, man, that hurt the game. Because that was a, a tough call later in the game, but gearing up to that part, 
I thought there was a lot of things in this game that could have been done differently. I look at Brad Underwood and his decisions out there. He went with DeMonte Williams a little bit more than I thought that he should have. I thought that even though Andre Cabello in the first half of the game uh, made bad decisions, he was taking shots that he was just playing out of control. Let's just call it what it is. Taking bad shots, he was a little loose with the ball. They weren't getting the ball to Kofi enough to me, in my opinion. I know they were trying to pound it down to him. I know that Houston was double-teaming him. They were playing very physical with him. But I thought that there was a lot that we left to be desired. But we only were down four points going into the half because Shreve Frazier came down, hit that three-pointer to cut the lead down a little bit. But I would say, before we even get to the RJ play, there was just a lot in this game that I thought Underwood could have done differently. Because I like the fact that he went to a Luke Goody and RJ Melendez Right, got them out there on the field. I mean, got them out there on the court. But my problem with that is, is I thought, first of all, I've talked about this so much on this show, how he should have gotten Luke Goody and R.J. Melendez more time over the course of the season. Because this is one of the biggest games of the season, and now you got the freshmen out there. You're asking a lot of them in those moments. And while R.J. showed you that he is going to have a lot of talent here in Champaign for years to come, the same thing with Luke Goody. That dunk that you were just talking about a second ago, that's a highlight-level play. The refs, to your point, they got that shit wrong, but that's that old-school mentality about hanging on the rim. They've caught that shit consistently all season in the NCAA, but they need to get away from that because that's just a terrible call, in my opinion. When RJ was asked about that in the press, uh, the post-game presser, he talked about the Paul George play. Now, audience, if you guys aren't familiar with this play, Paul George tore up his leg. Yes. On a play like that. So RJ's like, look, I was just trying to make sure that I was landing and coming down safely. And, and, with and, he, that said first, he, and he said the referee never gave him an explanation on why they teed him up. It didn't like he held the rim too long for me. It looked pretty quick to me. And I thought that when you hold the rim long enough than that, you know how I go for it, it's like hanging on it, then I can see right technical foul. But it, it went so fast. It happened so fast. And when he came down, all you heard was the whistle being blown. And I was like, wow, that was quick. Part of the game, you know. Yeah, so when it comes to the freshmen, again, my point when it comes to those guys is that I think Brad could have done a better job of developing these guys over the course of the season. Yeah, I know that he loves the seniors. I know that he loves Grandison. I know he loves Williams and Plummer and Frazier. That's not an issue here, but I thought he could have done a better job. And what did I say to the audience on this show a couple episodes ago, A-Dub? I said, Brad's going to have to tinker these lineups a little bit. He never did. He stayed with the same lineup. And I yeah. thought at times that lineup got stale for us. It did, and it backfired on us for sure. But I do got to give you credit, freshmen. They played well the first half, though, overall. But the thing is, for the whole game, that's tough. But this is where, like you said, with the with the coaching, he has to be better with his lineups, man, because I'll tell you, man, multiple of those lineups didn't work. And I'm like, man, what are you doing out here, um, Brad Otherwood? You can't find a combination that work. But that's what you figure out during the regular season, like you're saying, Perez. Had he done this earlier, man, we wouldn't have this problem right now. Yeah, and I would say this, too. Because I know Illini Nation, you guys were going after Trent Frazier for his performance in Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. I am not going to be one of these guys that's going to pile on to Trent Frazier. Trent Frazier has done so much for this program. In five years, he's put this program on his map. When you looked at him at the press conference, the guy had that contraption on his shoulder that he's been wearing all season. The guy's beat up. He's probably got so many injuries that he don't even talk about. The guy had pink eye. You could tell he couldn't even open his fucking eye. And he still was out there playing. And people were over here talking shit about his shooting. When you go out there and play 
where you're a left-handed uh, shooter and your damn left eye is half closed. To talk to me about that. And I feel bad for Trent Frazier, man, because you're right, man. He's the one guy we should not be criticizing. He brings it every night. It's not about the stat sheet for me when I look at Trent Frazier because he plays hard every time, man. So plays tough defense. We got to get a guy a break, man. He has been so much for the, done so much for this team, man. That we got to let that stuff go, man. We cannot be dissing a guy like him. No, he, he deserves better than that. But again, that's what you get from the Twitter trolls. These people never played. These are people that sit behind a computer screen and they can hide behind that computer screen. Half the stuff that you say, you're not going to say to someone's face. You know, that's, that's what it comes down to. But the real ones, we recognize that Trent Frazier is a warrior. He did nothing but great things for this program. And to his point in the presser, he said that he and Kofi, they left this program in good hands. Because when you look at the future of this program, when you look at a Melendez and a Luke Goody and a Coleman Hawkins, brother, I'm very happy and ecstatic about this future of Illini basketball. Me too, Prez. Those are some good guys, man, who are going to continue to get better. And they've shown us a lot uh, throughout this season. And we'll see what happens with Kofi. Kofi could come back. He but could. It, it, but it sounds like, honestly, because Kofi wanted to leave for the NBA last year, and he came back at the last minute. That NIL money, I think, caught his attention. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're going to get lucky two years in a row, man, getting him back to Champagne, bro. No, he gone now, friends. I believe he's gone, man. <laughs> he out of here, bro. Hey, but you know what? Okay, fine. So he's out of here. But, hey, we've talked about it with people on this on this show often. Ty Rogers is coming here. Number one player from Illinois. Yes, we got sir. Sincere Harris coming in here. Jay Nepps. We have some reinforcements coming in here. Dane Danger, the transfer from Baylor. So there's help on the way coming in here. So don't you worry, Illini Nation. We reloading. Oh, yeah. And with some guys who can play defense too, Perez. So we're pretty good, man. I like what we're breaking in. Yeah, like I said, man, strong recruiting class. I think these freshmen and sophomores that are on the team this year. They're going to learn from this experience. But I hope that Coach Underwood, I hope that he learns from this because now this is the second straight tournament where he's gotten eliminated early. And this is going to be your resume, Brad. So I hope that he's learned from this. He can't fall in love with certain lineups. He's got to make adjustments. Now, I know some people will say, well, he can't go out there and shoot for his players because, yes, they did miss a lot of shots. But I thought there was a lot of things that he did to kind of maybe scratch my head. But the fact that Andre Cabello did not play in the second half of this ball game, it made me scratch this in my head. The fact that he stayed with Luke Goody and RJ Melendez so long in that second half made me scratch my head. They gave us a lift. Luke Goody hit two big three-pointers, right? RJ was making some good plays, but you stay with those guys too long. Those are things right there. Brad's got to clean those things up. Yeah, because I do understand. I'm with you, Perez. I do understand that Cabello kind of struggled in the first half. I do get that piece of it. But I'm with you, man. That doesn't mean sit the guy the whole second half, you know? Give yeah. him a chance to see if he can make it up. And he never exactly. got the opportunity. Exactly. And to the point that you were making earlier with Jacob Grandison, we know Jake was limited. Jake's playing with a separated shoulder, right? Right. So so you didn't have that dynamic, the, that passer that could get that ball to Kofi. That's what we needed that game. So this is my, my problem with this offense. The only thing that we do well is feed the ball down to Kofi in the paint. If that's not working, then we just look like we're out of sort and we're frazzled and we're just running around taking uh, three-pointers. The offense right. is very out of sync when Kofi's not getting his. I agree with you there, Perez. It is out of sync. And that's why I was hoping that maybe Brad, you know, do that um, you know, screen and roll with, uh, with Trent Frazier 
and, and, and Kofi. Sometimes that works, you know, but he isolated from that. You know, he only did it maybe once or twice. I'm like, could have done more of that. Good things always come out of that. So that's on Coach Underwood for sure, Perez. Yeah, because to the point you were making about Carbello's game, what does he do the best out of anybody on that team? He gets to the rack. He knows how to fucking uh, control the pace of that team. And again, he knows how to get Kofi the ball in situations where Kofi can go straight up. I Absolutely. think if you'd have put him in that game in the second half, that would have probably helped turn the tide a little bit because we didn't have that out there. We did not. And, it, and you know, sometimes when players sit for it, they realize what they did wrong and come out better. It's just unfortunate that Cabello didn't get that chance, man. I wonder, I hope there isn't anything else wrong with Cabello, right? That's why I wonder. Well, so this is something that a lot of people probably saw. So before the game, I was down on the court because obviously audience, I was there in Pittsburgh covering the game. But Andre Cabello was getting into a heated argument with the refs before the game. And from what I understood was it was about a piece of equipment that he was wearing that the referees told him that he couldn't wear. And I guess it's the same equipment that he wore on the game on Friday. So that was kind of weird. So that he had all that nonsense that was going on with the refs. And then Brad benched him in the second half. And when Brad was asked about this, and he, when he was asked in the presser, what happened with Andre Cabello? Why did he play in the second half of the game? Brad almost didn't want to answer the question. Then he said it was coach's decision. And he kind of just moved on. So he didn't really answer the question. That lets us know, right, what you don't say. It got to right. be more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Now, the last point here before we close the loop on our University of Illinois coverage here for the season, with that being said, do you think that there's a way that we'll see Andre Cabello's name entering the transfer portal after the season that he's had here in Illinois? I don't know, man. I don't think so. I think he may just stick this whole thing out, Perez. I think he will. I think he's just got to get himself back to how he used to be because I still think there's some part of, a game, of his game that we didn't see him, you know, um, expand on. I didn't see him go to that next level. So hopefully he's willing to give us another chance to continue to grow. I hope so too. I think it's going to be very important for Brad to have some of those conversations with Andre and make sure that he's good. But I will tell you one thing. If I saw his name enter the transfer portal, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just something has just felt weird to me all season when it's coming to Cabello. Mm -hmm. Before the season, he was showing up on some mock draft boards for the NBA. He was showing up on All-American preseason list. He did not have the sophomore season that a lot of people thought that he was going to have. After a, after a very promising freshman year, A-Dub, he just never looked comfortable. When he was dealing with the concussions, he was dealing with some confidence issues. The fan yeah. base was jumping on his ass. There's been a lot of shit that's been going on with this kid. And you make a good point, Perez. Maybe a fresh start probably will work for him. But I'm hoping he continues to stick this out because Coach Underwood is going to coach you hard. Everyone knows that Trent right. Frazier talked heavy, gave a lot of kudos to Underwood. So hopefully with them talking together, it does make them want to continue to stay with this team. Yeah, I hope so too. But I guess to the point, because <laughs> all right, I know all this. You said we were going to close the loop. I got one more thing that I wanted to say. <laughs> so when you look at the way that Luke Goody and RJ Melendez played in the game today, it makes me wonder even more about Brad Underwood and his matchups and his substitutions because those two didn't even play on Friday. <laughs> that is true, man. Sometimes I just don't understand Underwood. It's sometimes it's kind of hard for me to figure him out for us. It really is. Because I'm not sure what he's thinking during the game, how you want to play. And I wonder sometimes if he's a little too biased. That is something to, to take note on. Hey, listen, he loves his seniors. I get it. 
he jokes all the time about how he doesn't like freshmen. He doesn't like to talk to freshmen. He doesn't like to deal with freshmen. But, hey, you had two freshmen on that team this year. This some dogs. And I look forward to seeing them develop this summer and seeing them out there in the, in the, in the fall, hey, Doug. Absolutely, man. I want to see more of those two. Yes, sir. And then they come in classes coming in here. Boy, we – I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And this, this is one thing, too, audience. Jacob Grandison can come back for one more year. Now, he may not – he may decide, like, fuck this. I'm done with this college shit. Hey, <laughs> if for some reason this guy comes back, holy shit. Okay, we can use him, man. I'm telling you, Lionel can still use him. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. But I want to just give a shout-out to Trent Frazier, DeMonte Williams, Alfonso Plummer, Kofi Coburn, and Jacob Grandison, just in case he does not decide to come back. Thank you guys so much for everything you guys have done for this program. Absolutely, Perez. It's been a pleasure watching them all play, man. All right, now, A-Dub. Windy City Bulls time. So the Windy City Bulls have won their last couple games here. So they beat Greensboro, and then they won today against the uh, Westchester Knicks, uh, A-Dub. Hey, I got to give Marco some credit here, man. Marco, man, been out there balling, Perez. I mean, I love him in screen and roll, man. He's been playing big, Perez. I got to give it to him, man. And then you got other guys chipping in, like Dotson. It's been a good, man. It's been a good total team effort, man, these last couple wins. Well, I'll tell you one thing. That game against Greensboro, Marco went off. 29, he's looked really good down there in the G League, man. He's developing nicely. And I'm sure AK and Mark Eversley are probably seeing what he's doing down there with the Windy City team. He's got to be very happy about They have to be very happy with that development he's done. Oh, they got to, Perez, because if you think about his game, it looks similar to Vucevic, really, you know, the pick and pop, the pick and roll, you know what I'm saying, to the basket. It looks similar, you know, so it's like if a guy can come and duplicate that at a high level, hey, why not give him another second chance up, up top, you know, with the big T? But salute to Marco because now he's playing with a lot of confidence, man, for sure. Oh, no, he's getting adjusted to it. I'm sure Marco probably was disappointed that he ended up back in the G League, but he's settling in. But to your point, other guys are stepping up too. Dotson was huge in that game. Daniel Turu was huge in that game. Yep. Malcolm Hill, the other two-way guy on the squad. He's showing you why the Bulls thought highly enough of him to bring him back into the fold. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Malcolm Hill been out there balling, press, jump shot, playing tough defense as well. I mean, he's earning his minutes out there, man. He pretty much let anybody know that, hey, look, I'm a player out here. I'm not just on this team to be on this team. I'm looking to contribute. But one thing that we always talk about, the Windy City Bulls, when it comes to these quarters, right? Because they had a huge lead in this game in the third quarter of the game, but the Swarm cut it down to 10 points entering the fourth quarter. And that's another tale of that third quarter, how they kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit. But they were able to get that W. Like I said, I thought they did a really good job on defense because they held the Swarm under 40% of shooting from the field in that ball game. I thought they did a really good job. And that's something we don't see a lot of from them, Perez, is that defensive effort right there. So looks like some things are starting to click, right, from the defensive. But to the point that you made earlier when it came to Marco, that's where Windy City got their big advantage in that game is they controlled the paint. Between him and Oturu, they were dominating down low. You like that, man. You like that dumbness. We, we know what we're going to get from Maturo Perez. You and I have covered him plenty of times. But to see Marco able to fit in with that, too, and doing similar work with rebounding and, and actually scoring ability down there, too, that's a plus. So I got to give Marco a lot of credit here, man. He's been on it, Perez. He's been working. He really has been. And then when you look at today's game against Westchester, they were, they were trailing a lot of this game. 
but they stormed back and they won the game there in the fourth quarter. And Devon Dotson, we talk about him so much on the show, 25 points in this game. And I'm telling you, boy, he hit tough shot after tough shot today. Yes, he did, man. Hey, look, your boy Dotson, man, I mean, that, that play to get the lead, I think it was somewhere around two minutes or something there, Perez, to get us our first lead, that was huge right there because you made a good point, man. They haven't led all game. And no. so the last two minutes of this game, friends, what are you able to hold on to? And Dawson played a big role, man, especially in that third quarter with the shots he was making. Poof. I'm talking about, man, big shot after big shot, man. And you talk about another guy on this, on this team that you know was probably disappointed that he's been in the G League, but he's settling in. And you love to see that because you can tell now he looks happy being there. I've seen some pictures of him in practices. I've seen the kids smiling. I'm like, okay, yeah, listen, man. This ain't going to be your forever home, man, but you got to take this opportunity. You got to be humble. Keep working. And that's what I'm seeing from him. Yep, Chris. He is working, man. And you're right, man. He has not complained. Seems like, like you say, he's settling in there. And, um, you know, he's making the best of it. So continue doing that. Sky's the limit. And speaking of the big league team, now the Chicago Bulls now. We're we going to get into this now because, hey, they've been losing some games, they eh, Doug? Um, <laughs> That West Coast trip was not kind to us. You know, that Phoenix game, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, was not kind to us. They were shorthanded. We still got slapped. I want, to, I want to talk to the audience about some key guys that we have that are still out. Lonzo Ball. Now, we got news with him that he might have had a little setback when it comes to that knee because they're saying that his knee isn't responding to the rehab. So his original timetable to return, it's not looking like what it's gonna like what it's gonna be, a dub. Man, that sucks, man. That really does suck, Perez. It's, it's been a tough road for for Zoe. I mean, he got off to a good start with us, Perez, and then mm-hmm. the injuries started to pile up. Man, it's kind of hard to see him go through this, you know? Because I like the kid. Yeah, because he was really important to what we were doing here. We we talked about him and Caruso as a tandem defensively. They were playing very well together, and so when he originally had the surgery. The timetable was 68 weeks. Well, he's been out seven weeks. And when you hear news that they're saying that the knee hasn't responded, then it makes me wonder, then what's the plan here? How much longer are we looking at him being out? A couple more weeks, what's the situation? Because we're getting closer and closer to the postseason now. Right. And are we saying this guy might miss the postseason now, Perez? It's very concerning, too. So uh, (laughs) it's just tough to see Zoe back in a situation like that, man. Um, I know it's probably – don't tell him what he's thinking at this point now, you know, because that's put a lot of pressure on them mentally, the player. And I know he wants to get out there and help the team out, especially seeing the team losing like we have been lately, Perez. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to watch, right? hmm And knowing that he could do something to help if his body right. would respond. This is the same knee that he had surgery on in 2018. So that is probably, for me, it gives me some concern because I'm like, okay, if this knee's not responding, is there something else going on there? Yeah, for real, man. Health is always a big deal of the game, right? And if you can't get out there healthy, man, it's like you start hearing people start talking about, hey, what's the money? Was it worth the investment of getting him, right, if he's going to start sustaining these injuries? And people wonder if he's going to continue at this rate. So that's one thing you got to think about. Well, these Bulls fans have been – they forgot real quick that we had some really awful teams of the guard packs. These Bulls fans, every time they lose – I'm sitting there being like, man, it's not the end of the world. I understand this has been a rough stretch here, but we still got guys that have been out. You know, it's like, come on now. And then also, too, look, okay, let's be honest here. So, okay, we got the news about Lonzo, how they said that he's not responding. He's not able to do things at full speed. But listen, 
we got Pat Williams potentially coming back. Ain't dub. I mean, he spent some time down there with the Windy City team. He practiced with them. They say he looked really good, and he's coming up. So now we got a potential situation where we got Pat Williams coming back. So help us on the way, guys. Like Bulls fans, Bulls Nation, relax. You know what I mean? I love that word you just said there, Perez. Relax. Because I'm with you, man. I'm happy to see Pat Williams coming back. We can use his defense. It's a good time to have him. I just wonder his, what his role is going to be when he comes back. Is he going to be on a minutes restriction? Like, what's it going to look like once he comes back? He could possibly be on some minute restriction, but I hope that he can continue to get better the season up into the playoffs to be able to play, you know, you know, with unrestricted minutes. So I'm hoping that every game, you know, he starts to build up. So this is a thing that nobody talks about, A-Dub, is the fact that Pat Williams had a very complex surgery, so much that he was not even able to use his left thumb for months. So that's why he wasn't even clear for partial contact until like a week ago. Ouch. Yeah, that's tough right there, man. And here's the other thing with the prayers. Pat Williams didn't look great when he was playing. So yeah, you got to consider that factor as well. That's a fair point. Yep. So looking at that part of it, then look at the injury. Is it a setback? And that's something we also got to think about as well. Even though he's probably going to be on minute restrict that you thought of, that you brought up for us, it's possibly we got to pay attention to as well. Well, I really hope that he's ready to go because when you look at this team right now, you got Zach Levine who's been dealing with that bothersome knee a yes. lot. And that's something that really concerns me, A-Dub, because I, I, we all know that Zach Levine is not playing at 100%. And you can tell that there's times that that needle like it's bothering him out there. Yeah, man, because it also comes up on the defensive side, right, where you yeah. see it the most. And I'm like, yeah, he couldn't get there. He just couldn't get there. He didn't have, he didn't have it. The knee didn't have it, right, really. Yep. That's what it come down to. So I, I, I watched some of those plays with him man, on the defensive side of it. I was like, man, Zach is normally quicker to that to that ball. But unfortunately for us, like you said, man, that knee, that's a big factor. And remember, he's been struggling with that knee since the All-Star break, right? That's right. So it's, it, it, it could – either get better or get worse. And right now, we have not seen it get better. No, and, and like you said, to your point, this is something that he's been dealing with since the All-Star break. Remember, he had to go out to L.A. He wanted to go see the surgeon that did uh, the surgery on that knee before. They said it was nothing structural there. They gave a little a preventative measure. They shot a lubricant in there. They told him, hey, you'll be fine to the end of the season. But what it looks like, it just looks like Zach Levine is gutting this out for the team because he sees that they have a situation to go far in the playoffs. Right. He's going out for the team, man. He's going to bow this whole thing out. Because yeah. But I'm telling you, this is something for Bulls fans to really keep an eye on when it comes to Zach Levine and that knee, but also DeMar DeRozan. Try to make sure that we're keeping him healthy down the stretch, keeping an eye on those minutes, so that way he's got something left in the tank when it comes to playoff time. You know what, Perez? I'm glad you brought that up because looking at his play lately, Perez, I wonder if he's being overworked. I think so. Because, I mean, it do. He played at MVP level all the way through, and then these past, what, we say week or so, he's been slowing down. Because mm -hmm. now people are double-teaming him as well, Perez. He's starting to see a lot of that. It's just they're trying to wear him out. So you make a good point, man. We got to be careful with that. We got to manage him very well. Also, too, I mean, to your point about how they're covering him, teams are also blitzing him. They're not letting him get to his spots on the floor. Nope. And that's key right there, man. I mean, he got to work extra hard. And then on top of that, Perez, we're not consistently consistently making threes for him. So, therefore, <laughs> the blitz is going to continue coming harder, right? <laughs> like, hey, yes. nobody making those shots like that. <laughs> Keep it coming. But the one thing, though, and DeMar said this his, himself, he said, look, 
adversity builds character. And that's his message that he's been trying to tell the team because this has been a tough stretch. I mean, let's be honest here. They have not looked good. They have not looked like that same team for the first half of the season. Not at all. But I I still tell the fan base, hang in there. (laughs) Relax. Remember, we've come from the guard packs era. We will be fine. I trust. Oh, yeah. Trust me. Yeah, we definitely will be fine, Perez. And once we get a lot of these guys back, man, everyone find that, find their role, they'll be fine. I think it really starts with the defense. And once everybody gets fully healthy, Perez, back in rhythm, I think the defense is going to get better. I hope so. Because you saw that one game where uh, Tristan Thompson had to get in the, he had to get in their ass about the lack of defense and lack of intensity. And that's another reason why I was happy that they brought him on board. Because when you look at a guy like Zach and DeMar, their personalities are so laid back. They're not going to get in anybody's face. Tristan Thompson wants to smoke. Oh, yeah. A vet right there, Prince. That's a vet talking to you, man. That's right. That's been, been there, there before. That. Yep. And like you said, that's not a Zach's, that's not a Zach or DeMar's personality. No, they not at all. That. No, they don't do that, man, at all, man. And the thing is, and that's okay, you know. That's why you bring in somebody who can who can do it, right? Uh, you see what it is. I hate to throw this out there. If you look at Golden State, it's always Draymond Green doing all the crazy talking, uh-huh. right? It's not Curry <laughs> or no. Clay. So you, you, you got to have somebody to bring that kind of personality out that's really going to hold people accountable. Now, I like the fact that Tristan Thompson has no problem doing that press, especially for a guy where he won a chip already. True story. Now, we talked earlier about the Bulls on that short West Coast trip. They went on three. That Phoenix Suns game, A.W., I ain't going to lie to you, man. That was a tough game to watch. Seeing it, the fact that Phoenix was shorthanded, and they we just look like little kids out there playing against them. I'm not trying to be funny <laughs> when I say that. It just didn't look good, man. <laughs> no, it didn't look good at all, friends. I mean, we came out there, no energy, man. We let Booker do what he wanted to do in the first half. We really couldn't score. It was like, man, things are just starting to pile up on the team, man. And um, it just seemed like it was a nightmare, really. So I hope those guys can really look at film and bounce back from that, Prince. But it was an ugly game. You hit a good point about who weren't there for Phoenix, though. But it's like you thought we'd be to fight through that. But unfortunately, we just didn't have enough, man. We just didn't seem to, like we were ready to, to beat those guys and it caught up to us. I mean, look at Phoenix, man. They've been without Chris Paul, and they still out here putting Ws on people, bro. Yeah, I mean, they got a good chemistry going, Perez. I mean, they... They came off going to the finals last season. They mm-hmm. want to prove to everybody that they can bounce back to that. So they've been playing really hard, playing shorthanded, whatever, man. They just know their roles. And I think really with this Bulls team being the first year together, Perez, people are still trying to define their role. When people get hurt and, and you know, I had that go, right? Someone gets injured, somebody else take up the role. Really trying to build that chemistry again. Fair point. Now, you talked about the Bulls defense a second ago. On this uh, West Coast trip, they gave up 125 points two times. I think it was like back-to-back nice, I think, that they did. And when you look at that type of defensive effort, that's what makes Lonzo Ball's extended absence even more painful. But hoping with Pat Williams coming back into the fold that he kind of helps us out defensively because right now we have not looked good on that side of the ball. And that's why we've lost eight out of the last 10 games. I agree because we can't expect DeMar DeRozan to pick up the slack defensively. We need him so much for the offense, Perez. We're really going to wear that dude down, you know? And it's not like DeMar, a great defender anyhow. And then you think about, like, you already talked about Zach with his knee, Perez. It's just a tough struggle out there with us. Two offensive weapons and how they're limited defensively. So we're right. We need a guy like Pat Williams to be great, man, defensively. We've definitely missed Alonzo Ball. We need Caruso to get back to himself. I mean, we just need the defense, man. We need it badly. But one thing that I will say, though, about those West Coast matchups Playing against the Suns, playing against the Utah Jazz, these are matchups that are going to help the Bulls prepare for the playoffs because those are battle-tested opponents, 
and I think they're going to be better for it in the low run. I agree, Perez. And playing against Utah, like you said, man, in Phoenix, that was a good experience for Io. I thought that Io kind of got his lesson, you know. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, you learned a couple of things here, kid, uh, seeing how these playoff teams play. And uh, they showed you what they would do. And now you understand a little bit more. I just think that not just for our team overall, but still for the young guy, man, to be able to continue to learn and grow as a player, professional. And I thought the Vooch and Tristan held their own against uh, DeAndre Ayton in that matchup as well. And that was something that was encouraging to see because I know a lot of Bulls fans, they've been coming after Vooch for most of the season. But I thought Vooch, I thought he, he was respectable in that matchup. He was, Perez. He was respectable. You know, um, one thing we know about Vooch, Perez, uh, he's going to play his game, really. He's going to try to. Um, and that's all you can expect a guy to do, Perez. You can't make him be anything else other than that. And mm-hmm. he did. He held his own, man. He played physical. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a total team effort out there. So we didn't do enough to get the victory, though. But I got to salute to Vooch for bringing it that night. Yeah, we didn't have an answer for Booker to, to the point that you made. I mean, Devin Booker was just – he was in his bag, bro. He was in his bag. Yeah, he was, man. We didn't have an answer for him. And we didn't have an answer for Mitchell either. So – No, no. It is Hell what no. it is. Hell no, we didn't. <laughs> well, well, speaking of not having an answer, so let's get into the Chicago Bears. So Ryan Pulse, a lot of people in the fan base like the hire of him and Iberflus. But now that we've gotten into it, and I've joked about this with you off air, the honeymoon period is over now. And I feel like the fan base is starting to lose their shit a little bit with the fact Pulse is being so deliberate and so methodical in his approach to free agency. A-Dub has been very slow-paced. He seems to prefer to go bargain shopping over some of the moves that Ryan Pace made in the past. Talk to him, A-Dub. No, we got to really be cool on Ryan Poles and just let the guy do his job, Perez. I think Ryan Poles may have shut down all social media, whatever else, and just making decisions they think is best for this team long-term, Perez. He's not getting to know better about, hey, who's the greatest player on the market. He's looking at everything, man. Looking at health, all that stuff, man. He's putting everything in consideration that's going to fit this team going forward, man, under Eberflus. And he want to make sure that he shaped this team in that manner. Now, I think it's all about having an identity. And Ryan Poles is not playing around when they come out of that press. He's not just going to be going out the guys to go out the guys. He's not just going to spend just to spend, man. That's going to come back and haunt the Bears. He's been very careful. Now, I like this approach going forward. Yeah, because we've seen that with Ryan Pace. With Ryan Pace with sign guys just for the sake of signing them, right? If we get in free agency, I got the money. I'm going to sign this guy to a three-year deal. This guy to a three-year deal. It was just bad money. Right. If what we're seeing from Ryan Poles is a guy that says, no, we have an aging roster. We got a young quarterback. I have to balance putting the best pieces around him, but also making sure that I'm creating a roster that is built for success but also it's not it's not um, affecting the future of the franchise. So I think he's trying to do both things at the same time. And that's the smart way to go, man. You ask me, because we've seen this move before where we didn't do it, right? You talked about our predecessors already, what they did. He's learning. Like, look, I'm not going to make those same mistakes, man, and cripple this franchise. Because in a way, this franchise was kind of crippled for us with how we were the past couple of seasons. So I like the way he's moving, man, moving smoothly, trying to move quietly, Perez, and just trying to be smart about everything. Now I'll say this. He has made a number of signings, but a majority of them haven't moved the needle for a lot of the fan base. They haven't been the sexy moves. He did have the one big swing for for Larry, uh, Big Larry from the uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals, and we all saw what happened there with the field physical, and the fan base lost their shit about that on Friday. Well, 
I'm with you, Prince. I don't think that's a Ryan Pole's fault. I mean, the guy can't pass the physical. Hey, it is what it is. That's what it, that's what the physical is for, right? It's all contingent upon pass the physical. If you don't pass the physical, it's no contract. That's not on Ryan Poles. So I would say this. I look at it from both sides. I do think that part of that was Ryan Poles' fault because he didn't probably do his due diligence on that because Big Larry, he, he tore up that foot in the playoffs. So they probably should have did a little bit better job with his medicals before they offered him a deal. However, to Adel's point, you can't blame him for the guy failing the physical. I just think that they should have vetted the injury out a little bit more, maybe looked at some of his medicals mm -hmm. a little bit more. But what I do give him maximum credit for was once he saw that from the doctors, I mean, from the medical staff saying, hey, this guy failed his physical. We don't think that you signed him. He didn't sign him. Right. <laughs> now think about like, in the nope. past. Think about in the past with Ryan Pace when he drafted Tevin Jenkins. He drafted a guy that they knew was injured. That's true. Ryan Poles isn't going to do that. He said, I'm going to protect the Chicago Bears. I love that. First thing he said, hey, this is sucks. This sucks for Larry. This sucks for his, his agency. This sucks for the Chicago Bears. But I have to do what's in the best interest of this franchise. Ryan Poles, I love that. And to me, Press, that's a perfect example. This team first. Putting this team over everything. Like, look, health and all that stuff. You know, the guy can't play or the guy have an issue. I'm not going to sign them, man, because guess what? It's going to be detrimental to this team. Now, one thing to note, A-Dub, is there's 40 roster spots that are open right now. So he's got a lot of work to do between <laughs> now and the draft, bro. A lot of work to do. Hey, look, man. Hey, look. He talked about building through the draft as well. You're right, Perez. A lot of work ahead of him, man. And um, I think a guy like Ryan Pose is cut out for it because you and I saw, we talked about this on DB a little bit, this guy been working nonstop, Perez. So mm -hmm. you're right, he got a lot of work ahead of him, but I think he's up for the task. There's still a lot of good options out there. I've been pounding the table about Teron Armstead. He is still out there for the taking. Tyron Matthew, A-Dub. Jarvis Landry is out there. There's a lot of key names that are available. So uh, Ryan Poles, I know you're doing your bargain shopping, but, man, for some reason – we could get one of these guys on a nice little deal. It's not going to happen with a Teron Armstead, but I'm thinking like a Tyron Matthew or Jarvis Landry. Right. Dude, pull the trigger. Do it. <laughs> you know what, friends? I'm with you, man. Pull that trigger. But when it's smoke clear, I just hope that we got one of these guys on the team, if not both. Yeah. I think what for him, what he's trying to balance is secure future cap space while also adding younger type of freighters. Because if you look at the type of players that he's added, They've all been on the younger side of the coin, and that's good because that's what you need. You already got mm -hmm. an aging roster, and he's kind of cleared out some of that through free agency and also just with some of the cuts that they made. I agree, Perez, and we do need that youth, man. That's what you need around a guy like Justin Fields, right? Younger Perez, that's always good. Now we have guys who pretty much come into their prime. Fair point there, A-Dub. So listen, audience, when it comes to Ryan Poles, A-Dub and I are locked and step together on this. We're going to be patient with this man. We're going to allow him time to do his job. We're going to let this man work. He obviously has a plan. He has an approach. Let's see it out. You know what I mean? It don't have to make sense to us. But listen, <laughs> you're not going to win the games in March. You ain't going to win the games in April. Guys got plenty of time. Let's see what happens. I'm with you, Press. Let's see what happens, man. All right, audience, final segment time, if this city could talk. I'm going to keep it short and to the point here. 
with rising gas prices happening due to the conflict in Ukraine, I want to give a shout out to Willie Wilson, local businessman here in Chicago. He's run for mayor in the past. A lot of people make fun of Willie. Willie, he 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 has he does things in a very unorthodox way. However, Willie's pledged a million dollars in gas to Chicagoans to help out. And I always say, you got to look at the work that people are doing. Now, you may look at a guy like that and say, oh, man, he's a little unorthodox in the way he speaks and the way that he does things. But actions speak louder than words. So if this city could talk, it would give a salute to Willie Wilson for understanding that there's people out here that are having to travel to or from their home for work. And with gas prices be approaching almost $5 a gallon, you offering people the ability to fill up their, their gas tank, man, that is phenomenal, really. So, man, salute to you if this city could talk. Keep up the good work. And if other people are out here in this world that have the resources that Willie Wilson have, please step up and help others out as well. Hey, man, Willie Wilson. Hey, thanks for all on the way, man. Appreciate you doing that. We're giving out that gas, man. Matter of fact, if this city can talk for us, I'm going to go that same route with you about the gas that we've seen this movie before when it comes to the gas with the prices going sky high. And we've been able to get through it, right, as a country, as a city, as a state. So I will say to the people, hey, we know the gas prices are high. We know food is high, all that stuff. Hey, let's stay the course and keep working together, man. We're going to get through this here, helping each other out. Audience, we are sorry that we were gone for a couple of weeks. I promise y'all, A-Dub and I are back for the duration. We are back on our weekly schedule. We appreciate you guys and your support of this show with the Chicago State of Mind. Thanks for listening, and we are out. Jordan was, he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.